I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I am not your host, PTF. PTF is uh, he's on the shelf. I think he's, I think he's sick or something. At least he told me he was sick. Told me he had a fever. Maybe he was just lying to me. No, I think he actually might be sick. So uh, wishing him a speedy recovery. I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. And uh, we are approaching the end of 2023. And we're going to hit you with a, a few good episodes. And, and this is going to be one of them. Uh, we want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing for their support throughout 2023. We look forward to a 2024. And I, I think our friends at Qatar are going to really appreciate the guest that we have today, Oshin Murphy, uh, a contract rider for Qatar Racing. Uh, Oshin, uh, I've seen his name a lot, obviously, and, and he's got three Breeders' Cup races, uh, or three, excuse me, three grade ones uh, in America under his belt, including a Breeders' Cup distaff. But, uh, you know, he also has a, an outstanding career in, in Europe, and, and he's won a lot of big races for our friends at Qatar. But he's also uh, venturing to South Florida uh, at the end of the month, the end of December through January. Uh, he'll be riding there. He, he's got some pretty lofty goals of, of some big dirt races in the world, and and he wants to uh, hang out here in the U.S. and get a little bit more experience on the dirt. So that should be a lot of fun to watch. And, and obviously he'll have some, uh, some tricks up his sleeve as it pertains to the grass racing uh, down at, uh, at Gulfstream. Um, so we catch up with Oshin. He, he's in the airport. It's, it's not bad. A little bit of background noise, but nothing crazy. Um, and, and we catch him before he, he catches a flight. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun, fun conversation about his, uh, how he got into the game. Uh, some funny stories along the way. Um, and, uh, his involvement, uh, with Qatar racing, winning championships, Frankie Dettori, things of that nature. So I will shut up and we will get to our guest of the hour, a little bit less than an hour. Oshin Murphy. Oshin, it's nice to meet you. If this counts as meeting you. <laughs> Thanks a million for having me on, Jonathan. I've watched a lot of your stuff and, uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I told you before we started, I'm going to tell you again, I got to be honest with you, you know, outside of like Ascot and Champions Day and the Ark and the big days, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of, a, of, a, of an American punter type. So, you know, this will be just like it was meant to be with JK plus one is we're just catching up, figuring each other out a little bit. So you might have to help me along. So don't uh, don't hold it against me. Don't worry, I won't judge you, Jonathan. The thing is, with the racing calendar across the world, it's really difficult to keep up to date with all the action that's going on. So uh, I'd like to fill you in on um, on the last couple of uh, years of my career, and uh, and hopefully it'll be interesting for your listeners. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to start with. You 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 saw the the uh, JK plus one I did with Sheikh Fahad, and you know that I do a little bit of research behind the scenes to figure out some good stories and Sheikh Fahad himself set me up with this one. He said, ask him about his bridge crossing when he was an apprentice. Oh my God, Jonathan, they're, they're, here's a good start. So um, uh, I moved to England when I was 17 years old and I hadn't been abroad very much. I'd been to Spain once on a holiday with my family in the 17 years previous. And I had been sent to a guy called Andrew Balding and uh, been there a couple of months, been working hard, waiting for my opportunity to race ride. And suddenly one evening he said, okay, next week you're gonna ride at uh, Chepstow. It's not for me, it's for another guy, uh, but it'll be good experience. So I'm thinking, 
Googling Chepstow. I know where that is, but it's not in England. It's in Wales. And I know from being Irish that when you go to foreign lands, you obviously need a passport. So I'm uh, all set, sweating in the back to do my lightweight. I'm under pressure, a bit stressed out. Everyone's telling me to relax, but that's easier said than done when you're a wannabe jockey and this is your first ride. And we get to the bridge in Wales. So to get from uh, England to Chepstow, you actually have to cross over this river called the Severn River. And uh, there's a there's a, a security crossing. And um, all you have to do is pay the toll. But the boys in the car uh, had had set me up. And they said, oh, Oshin, you better jump out and show your passport. So I'm, uh, and this is all on video, Jordan. And I'm swearing and shouting and like, I can't find my passport. I jump out of the car and where you go to pay the toll, I show them my passport. And the guy at the toll bridge breaks out laughing. The guys in the car are in hysterics. And I don't find it too funny. I'm like seven pounds lighter than I was the day before. Um, these guys have made an absolute fool of me. And yeah, it's uh, it wasn't a great start. Fortunately, I managed to get back in the car before they drove off without me. And um, I got to the races uh, and, and relaxed a little bit. But um, yeah, it's, it's all over the internet. I think it's had half a million views. And... Um, this 17-year-old uh, innocent-looking chap starts swearing and shouting, and it, it wasn't one of my finer moments. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I'm friends with a lot of riders, and, and, and hangry is a real thing, you know? Yeah, hangry. <laughs> hangry. Hangry is one thing, but um, I was quite thirsty, and it was one of the first times I had taken off weight, uh, as you obviously get more... Um, more into your riding career taking off a couple of pounds isn't an issue but uh, the first few times uh, probably affects you more than it should do and uh, my my um, temper came out for sure that's all right no big deal no one no one's holding it against you i'd be mad too if someone uh, practical joke to me look it's always nerve-wracking when you gotta like go through customs or show a passport or go through a toll and you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to be the guy who makes the mistake. So I, I understand. Jonathan, every time I go to the U S I, uh, customs take a liking to me or security and they pull me into this room. Uh, for example, the breeders cup on my last trip to the U S uh, I waited two and a half hours to go up to this desk. And the guy was like, uh, do you have an Esther? No, okay, what do you have? I have a B1 visa. Okay, show that to me. Okay, you're good. Uh, see you later. I mean, every single time, I don't know, do I look like I'm a troublemaker or what's the situation? But um, but yeah, I haven't had much luck on uh, on getting through customs seamlessly. Well, uh, you know, as long as it uh, as long as it works out on your on your trip to uh, to Miami. I mean, it, part of the reason I thought about you know, I, I've, I've, I've heard about you from different friends of uh, our friend, Vanessa Ryle has a lot of nice things to say about you. And then obviously Sheikh Fahad in, and you being his, his contract rider for Qatar racing, but this announcement that you are going to come hang out with us at Gulfstream park in the U S what was behind that decision and what's the logistics? How long are you planning to be here? So firstly, I, I probably should have spent some time in the U S uh, Many years ago, maybe instead of going to Australia or Hong Kong as a young rider, 
uh, I, I ought to have considered going to America, but the opportunity never arose. And uh, this time round, I wasn't going to Japan and I wasn't going to Hong Kong. And I was thinking I'd like some experience on dirt and I want to ride with guys I really respect. And, uh, you know, at the top of that list is Irad Ortiz, his brother Jose, John Velasquez, Louis Sayers, uh, Joel Rosario. Uh, they're, they're all guys I really, really admire. And I think uh, spending some time riding against them at Gulfstream and, and maybe at a few other tracks in January uh, will serve me well. So I actually begin my stint in Florida on December 28th. I'm going to spend uh, Christmas in New York with my girlfriend, Lizzie Nielsen. Our father is actually quite a famous guy. His name's Bjorn Nielsen. He worked in finance in the US, self-made man. He owns a very famous staying horse called Stradivarius, who won the Ascot Gold Cup three times. So without going off on a tangent, my plans are to spend from the 22nd to the 27th of December with Lizzie and her family, and then from the 28th of December until maybe a week after the Pegasus um, riding in America. That's exciting. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, I would imagine for you guys, and I would imagine even for, for our guys in the U.S. to go over to, to, to Europe, you know, you guys do so much riding on grass that, uh, and not that you're unfamiliar, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different animal, right? Um, yeah. What yeah. are your Look, thoughts of the differences? Listen, I love dirt racing. Uh, the, you know, the highest profile stallions in the world, uh, the likes of Flightline, who's just retired to stud, uh, Into Mischief, who we all know about, um, Justify, uh, American Pharaoh. Uh, these are all horses that stand for huge stud fees and uh, have obviously done all their winning on dirt. And uh, I want to be a part of that. And ultimately, Jonathan, the, the richest races in the world, the Saudi Cup, Dubai World Cup, Pegasus, Breeders' Cup Classic, are all run on dirt. And uh, these are races I want to win. I've been fortunate enough to win a Breeders' Cup distaff. Uh, which is obviously on dirt on a Japanese filly called Mash Lorraine at the Breeders' Cup in 2021. And, you know, I'm 28 years of age. I'm not going to ride forever. And the, the clock is ticking. So uh, I really want to get some experience and put my um, hat in the mix when it comes to these big rides like Frankie Dottori has done for the last uh, 30 years. You mentioned Frankie, and I, and I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Frankie. But before we get to that... Um, for those who are listening, who's going to handle your book uh, down in, in at Gulfstream? John Panagot. Uh, he's a guy that obviously is used to managing top riders, and I'm very grateful that he's taken me on. I'm under no illusion how competitive the riding environment's going to be, and to get on good horses isn't going to be easy. But I'll work hard in the mornings, breezing horses, and getting myself about and. Uh, I'll make a real effort like I do every day um, to study the form and, and give horses the best possible chance. The bottom line is I'm fit and my weight is good. I'm not a naturally lightweight jockey, but I'm motivated and um, you know I, I really want to do well uh, during my stint. 
Well, that was not a trick question. I really didn't know who had your book. JP is one of my good friends. I, I love JP very much. He just oh, he just had a baby. He just had a baby a uh, week, two weeks ago, week and a half ago, I'm, I'm, as I'm sure you're aware. And and so I, I hadn't talked to him or seen him. He's been on daddy duty, but uh, that's uh, that's outstanding. I love that. Um, when it comes to the grass racing, uh, do you feel like you have an edge when, when you're when you're over here riding against our guys or? Do you feel like our and, and I'm not setting you up for a trick. Do you feel like our guys hold their own well enough, or, or do you feel like you you have some things to offer that you can maybe show them, and, and in turn they can show you some things uh, about the dirt? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been fortunate uh, on you know to have success in America, uh, and um, the tracks in the U.S. are obviously all left-handed, and uh, they're you know one big uh oval uh so i've tried to watch as many replays as i as i can since i was 17 years of age and burst myself correctly but i'm sure uh some of the younger guys will want to get to know me um but the likes of the older campaigners who've done it uh for many years at the top level uh they they uh they won't be learning off me it'll be the other way around what would you what would you if you were describing to someone on a very long elevator ride, sometimes I call it an Uber ride. You're in an Uber with a guy and he says, hey, can you explain to me the differences between grass racing and dirt racing? What would you tell him? Well, there's one very, uh, very unique thing to turf versus dirt. Uh, on grass, uh, I would say 95% of races, the second last furlong is the fastest. On dirt, I would say the third last furlong is the fastest. They tend to get slower as they reach the finish line. As you know, top horses on turf uh, really can quicken. Whereas uh, in any sort of dirt race, even in dirt sprints, and you have top horses, uh, they they really slow down towards the finish line because the the pace pressure uh, from the gate is is phenomenal and. Um, you know the likes of Elite Power, even who's a, an outstanding sprinter, and we haven't probably seen a better sprinter uh, in my riding career over the last ten years uh, to to really capitalise um, even up to seven furlongs, fourteen hundred meters. Uh, there's there's uh, it's it's like riding. Um, there isn't a, there isn't a lot in common, Jonathan. The bottom line is. Uh, Dirt is very, very different. It's all about gate speed, position, uh, rhythm. You can't get stopped in dirt and still win. On turf, maybe you can get held up and get going late on. And you can run them down. That never happens on dirt. Oshin, the, the, the best horse uh, that... Let's not go best horse. Let's go your, your, your favorite horse that you ever rode. Uh, very simply, Roaring Lion. I won four group ones on him in 2018. Uh, it was my best ever year. I was second in the World's Jockeys Championship that Ryan Moore has just managed to land again. Um, I was you know, full of confidence, quite young, and uh, very lucky that Sheikh Fad um, entrusted me with such a special animal. He has, obviously, an American pedigree. Uh, he was by Kitten's Joy, and... Um, yeah, he was just truly outstanding. And I've no doubt if he stayed in training as a four-year-old, uh, he'd, he'd have even capitalized further on being a champion. Uh, but his appeal as a stallion was too great. 
not to retire him. And his first crop of foals have done him incredible. His first and only crop of foals, John, have done him incredibly proud. He has uh, a huge amount of stakes performers. And yeah, he's he's uh, one we really miss. And he had a terrible ending. He fought colic. He had a couple of surgeries. He was very brave, but unfortunately, he lost the battle. And um, yeah, I'll miss him. Uh, he he was a horse of a lifetime. Even at that young age, you know, I I probably haven't ridden once uh, with the same um, temperament, but intelligence. And um, an ability, and even as a physical, uh, Johnny, he was uh, very strong through his shoulder. He really bent his knee. Uh, he went on all surfaces, as in turf, uh, fast ground, slow ground. It made no difference to him. And we, yeah, we were just very fortunate to have him. What do you mean when you said Roaring Lion really bent his knee? So um, he he didn't have a straight action. Uh, that a lot of top uh, European turf horses have that handle fast ground. When you watch him uh, from side on, uh, his knee almost comes up to his chin, um, which is pretty unique. Uh, some dirt horses obviously have it. I'm trying to think of one that was quite pronounced maybe to the, just to the casual racing fan, American Pharaoh really bent his knee. Uh, he had that powerful shoulder and you could see that huge action and um, obviously American Pharaoh was by Pioneer of the Nile, so they're, they're not any way related, but uh, I think they had a, a pretty similar uh, sort of gait in, in full gallop. Wow, so, so you feel like the, the, the high knee action, or that, or that, that, that bent knee, is it, is, it, is it high or is it out, or what, what is, it, is it, how would you describe the, the bent knee? Um, I would say uh, it's um, it's not uh, very common for a top-class uh, European horse to um, have that exaggerated knee action that um, obviously they bring the knee up a little higher than your normal horse and they can really reach for the floor uh, better than most. And, you know, I, I never examined Roaring Lion's stride length, but I can guarantee you it was humongous. Do you, do you feel like because he had that 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 you know bent you know he really bent his knee? Do you feel like you know that suggests that he would have handled uh, the dirt? Well, well, unfortunately, by the time he ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic, um, he had a very hard season and he didn't have the ideal preparation. He was coming into the race off the back off the back of running uh, two weeks previously on soft ground, and he had to ship halfway across the world. So. Um, we can't judge him on that performance, but absolutely, I think if we uh, if we were able to train him and give him time to acclimatize the dirt, I've no doubt uh, he'd have been, you know, really good on it. Ojin, tell me a little bit about your 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 backstory, your your Marvel, you know, X Men, you know, racing origin story. Uh, how did it all unfold for you? Very simply, uh, Jonathan, when I was four years of age, uh, actually for my fourth birthday, um, I had been to racing stables at maybe age three. My uncle was a, he never won a jockey's championship, but he won all the big uh, jumps races, national hunt races. He won the King George. He won the Grand National, uh, both the Irish and English. He won three Cheltenham Gold Cups as a jockey. Uh, he was uh, very successful. His name was Jim Colletti. And 
I had spent, uh, even as a very small child, watching him on television. So I must have mentioned to my parents that I'd like to uh, go riding. And for my fourth birthday, they took me to a riding school. And I kept going there uh, once a week until I was age seven. And my father brought me to uh, buy a pony. Uh, and I had this pony who was very naughty and I fell off him all the time. Uh, my hands used to bleed from him pulling the reins out of my hands, uh, but it didn't deter me. And by age nine, I had four ponies. And then by age 12, uh, we ran it as a little bit of a business. Um, I was getting professional lessons, which were obviously quite expensive. They were probably, to put it in perspective, they were probably like um, $30 an hour uh, and, and trainers would come and teach me. And um, we built up a string of show jumping ponies that I would buy and sell all over the world, uh, not only to Americans, but to English people and to Swedish people. And uh, young children would come and ride them. And um, my parents really supported me in doing that. And then by age 14, I had been following racing anyway. Uh, my uncle Jim uh, started to become a successful tr racehorse trainer, but over jumps. And he said, oh, why don't you ride out? And uh, I started riding some track work, some exercise for him on his private facility, at his private facility. And uh, that went quite well, although I got ran away with, uh, completely out of control a few times. So that adrenaline buzz was just extraordinary. And of course, I didn't feel as comfortable as I had been show jumping because I was uh, doing well show jumping. I, I thought I, I rode pretty well, but as a wannabe jockey, I wasn't up to scratch. So I, I rode out every morning before school and um, and uh, slowly but surely I, I improved and I spent the summer with a guy called Tommy Stack, um, who's actually very famous from the same part of Ireland as I am. And then the following summer, I spent it with Aidan O'Brien, when the likes of Joseph O'Brien and Donica O'Brien were just upcoming jockeys. Actually, Joseph was an upcoming jockey. Donica was too young, but we rode some gallops together. And uh, Aidan was so kind to me. He treated me uh, just incredibly, Jonathan. Like, I've never really spoken about this in depth uh, publicly before, but... He went out of his way to help me. Uh, in the evenings, he would pick out where he thought I was going wrong. It was just um, the most privileged uh, kind of experience that anyone could ever wish for. I'm, at, you know, in my opinion, the world's best trainer, um, spending some time there, and he is allowing me to ride gallops uh, on pretty good horses. I rode a future derby winner as a 16-year-old boy. And, um, you know, in a gallop called Ruler of the World. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was just very lucky. So from then, uh, because Joseph and Donica were, were pretty busy riding for their dad, it was mentioned that I would move to England. And in October 2012, I made the move to Andrew Balding Stable, who at the time had just, uh, had, had just nurtured William Buick's career, who obviously the listeners will know as a... You know, he's won multiple Breeders' Cup races and grade ones in America. So it was, uh, it was decided that that was the place for me. And within a couple of months there, uh, Andrew started putting me up. And um, I just had a, a really good start. And it, that same season in 2013, um, so I began with Andrew in October 2012. I got my license in the spring of 2013. And that same year, 
Sheikh Fahd had an apprentice race and a runner in the apprentice race at Ascot on Champions Day and he needed a jockey and I'd already been booked for one of Hugo Palmer's and Sheikh Fahd won't remember this but um, Andrew Balding called me into the office and he said it doesn't matter uh, who you've been booked for uh, this man wants you and you've got to ride it and uh, the horse was no good it was like 50 to 1 and I had to get off the favourite um, but I did it and uh, I met Sheikh Fahd for the first time and I was I was polite, obviously very shy. Uh, and the following season, he asked, could I ride a little bit for him? And it just took off from there, John. And so in a nutshell, my career really got going uh, more quickly than, your, than most. Um, but I was completely dedicated to trying to be a jockey. And I was surrounded by the, the best people. What, what, what do you think it was about you, if you had to reflect, that... Aiden felt inclined to help. Well, he's uh, he's completely self-made himself. Uh, he's from uh, not really a racing background. Um, he grew up around horses and ponies, but uh, I've never asked him. Maybe one day I will ask him why he was so kind. But I think he's like that with all the young kids that come to him. Although at that time. Um, you know, there wasn't a staff shortage and I was probably one of the youngest uh, children he ever, or youngest young adults he, that ever stepped foot in the place with no experience. You know, there would have been a waiting list to to get a job um, with him. So uh, I was probably pretty privileged. Maybe the fact my uncle was is quite a big name and was a very big name at the time helped me. Um, and uh, yeah... Um, John, the more I think about it, you know, I haven't really touched on it properly, but he would come around in the evenings to look at the horses and he would pull me aside and say, oh, uh, I saw today uh, you went a little bit fast, uh, second lot in that canter, or you need to put your heels down a little bit more, or that fella you rode third lot, don't be afraid to grab a hold of him and make him work a little bit, he's quite lazy. You know, every day there was something, John, and but um, by no means was I, uh, I might have been a natural horseman, a natural show jumper, um, addicted to learning about pedigrees and, and types of horses, um, but I wasn't the most natural jockey, and watching my first uh, 100, even 1,000 rides is quite an eyesore. You know, I was very uh, unorthodox in style, and although I rode a lot of winners at a high strike rate, um, it was probably more the fact that I had done some homework and I was on the best horses more so than being a very effective rider in the saddle. And the years that followed uh, from 2015 probably to 2018, I really tried to tidy up and develop uh, a more um, eye-pleasing style, a more aesthetic uh, sort of uh, push position. And um, unfortunately, you know, I'm still, I hope I'm still improving, but uh, I hope that my riding style is, or I'm more confident that my riding style is acceptable in America. Uh, this is this is a lot of fun, Oshin. I've never I've never got to ask uh, a, a European rider, and, and I, honestly, like I told you before, I I'm not I'm not the best at at uh, I don't you know ask it is I'm I'm plugged in. My friend Peter Thomas Fornatel is much better than I am. Um, 
Are you are you one of the the, the European riders that do, does your butt hit the saddle in the stretch when you're when you're going to the crop or no? Because if if it does or it doesn't, the question I want to know is, what's the do you like that? What's the advantages of that? What like what it why why do you guys or some of you guys do that, but the American riders don't do it? I'm curious. Yeah, I suppose we ride a little bit uh, with longer stirrups and uh, the tracks we ride on are very undulating. Um, so in order to stay in balance with the horse, uh, you probably have to ride a little bit deeper and you will make contact with them. Um, but I hope uh, that I'll be able to um, adjust when I get to the US and ride um, with a more uh, with a more American style, you know. Well, you know what's funny? So I, I asked, I asked, I've never asked a European writer. I asked an American writer about that. And I think I asked Gary Stevens if I if I'm not mistaken. And he obviously he'd ridden he'd ridden overseas before. And he said it was almost like kind of like a like an encouragement thing that when you when you come down with your rear end on their back, it kind of it's it almost works in the same way that like using the crop does, where it, it kind of you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of encouraging them from behind. Do, do you see it that way or? Um, possibly. I mean, every horse is different, Jonathan. Um, but I, I think uh, it's more just trying to stay in balance. I mean, Gary Stevens is a guy I, I have huge admiration for. Um, he won lots of big races around the world. He was incredibly successful in England. He rode a lot for Sir Michael Stout. And, um, and I think he used it to a more uh, European style during his time there. But of course, when he got back to America, he was able to readjust to, to the style that's more aesthetically pleasing. Well, look, you don't have anything to worry about. You got, you got, you got three grade ones under your belt. So you're not going to, it's not like JP's going to struggle to, uh, to, uh, to get you on horses. Um, and they can't say, they can't say it. My favorite thing about it is, is if they try to say, well, it's a dirt race. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got a distaff. Who are you going to ride? He's got a distaff under his belt. So <laughs> yeah, it's a nice yeah, well, I, yeah. Well, I hope that's the case. Um, but I'm under no illusion. Listen, um, I'm going to a very competitive riding environment, uh, Jonathan, and, um, and you know, I'm willing to work very hard to get opportunities and, and succeed, you know? Well, look, I know you, I know you got a plane to catch. I, I got a couple more I wanted to try to pop out of you here. T tell me a little bit about your relationship with with Frankie. It's it's been told to me that that uh, you know that you guys are significantly closer out of the saddle than 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 you know the world might might know. Yeah, well, very simply, Jonathan, um, Frankie and I have uh, spent time riding together all over the world. And, um, you know, I, I socialize with him um, and we get on very well. And uh, I think uh, we have a mutual respect for each other. Obviously, I grew up watching him on television, um, but I know that he respects me. And um, and uh, it obviously helps my confidence a lot, you know. Um, he's a guy that's won every single race that I'd want to win. And, if I can drag everyone back to uh, my first jockeys championship in 2019, I was about uh, 20 winners behind at one stage. And I remember texting Frankie uh, and saying, um, well done winning the Irish Oaks on Starcatcher. Uh, you gave her the perfect ride. And uh, he replied saying, thanks, buddy. Um, remember, you are a champion and uh, I have huge um, faith in you. 
and the next day I went and rode four winners at Goodwood and I think I went to Windsor the following day and rode a treble and basically um, I ended up uh, the following month in August riding 44 winners in Britain which uh, takes a fair, you know, it's it's nearly a record. I don't know if, if it's exactly a record, but I wouldn't think there's many people uh, ever in, in Britain that have ridden 44 winners in a month. And uh, I must say that um, that simple text message, the confidence he instilled in me was, uh, you know, the, the incomparable to anything that anyone else could have said to me. And, um, I also admire the way he's battled back from from his demons, uh, from you know, being sacked uh, and um, got right to the very top again. Oshin, I, I, look, I was going to default root for you um, because of my relationship with John Panagot. I was going to default root for you because a lot of times I'm sure you'll be wearing the the claret and gold uh, at Gulfstream. But uh, after this conversation, I'll be authentically rooting for you i i appreciate you taking the time um i hope that uh that uh, i didn't hold you up and, and you didn't miss boarding there i'd hate for them to check your carry-on and i uh i appreciate you taking the time and we'll be rooting for you at Gulfstream. you're a gent jonathan thank you very much for having me on and uh hopefully i'll see you uh very soon i appreciate it that was fun uh, a lot of fun um getting to catch up and uh man look i i was gonna root for oshin no matter what because of the relationship with qatar so i'd be rooting for him at Gulfstream, anyways um but now i i've got a little bit more incentive to root considering his uh, alignment with a uh, good friend john panagot who will have his book down there in south florida for the uh the end of december and uh through january uh, want to thank our friends at Guitar Racing again for supporting this podcast without their support it wouldn't have been possible hopefully everyone's enjoyed the podcast make sure you're checking out uh, what they've got going on at, at qatar racing um let's see i'm gonna do that thing where i talk really slow and give out their uh, i have to look it up because i can't it's it's kind of tricky i think isn't it is it just qatar racing of course yeah q a t a r underscore racing on twitter make sure you check them out uh want to thank everybody for for tuning in well, like I said, we're going to finish the year fast and furious. We've got this episode that just came out, Oshin Murphy. Uh, we had Brittany uh, Erton last week. Um, and there's a bunch to catch up on this year if you haven't. If you're doing a lot of traveling, make sure you go through and download a bunch of the episodes to make sure you check them out while you're traveling. Next week, Jose Santos Jr. is going to be released, that podcast. I've already recorded it. Jose, uh, a jockey's agent. Um and a jockey's agent extraordinaire with like 10 riders, five different jurisdictions, uh, kind of doing something that's never really been done before at a high level. Uh, it's fun to catch up with him. And he tells one of the favorite, my favorite stories on JK plus one history, where he talks about funny side winning uh, the Derby and the experience as a seven, eight year old with his father, uh, obviously aboard for that journey, the highs, the lows. And then we're going to wrap up the year, hopefully fingers crossed with a pretty exciting episode. I don't want to jinx it. So I won't say anything about it yet. Enjoy all your travels. Enjoy your holidays. We'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche. There's five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in talk up their body, another one body that's just high.